When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You won't be singing Sweet Home Alabama after these stories. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails. This week, I've got some allegedly true and scary stories set in the middle of nowhere, plus some creepy stories from Alabama. Enjoy, and be sure to send me your scary stories at darkstories.org. I'm looking for more not-deer encounters. If you have some work stories, though, send those to us at eeriecast.com submit because we might be starting a new podcast for scary workplace stories. Now, let's begin. Dogman or Demons From Dogman 97 I live in the northeast of England, in a small village in the county of Durham. I am 24 years old, and this encounter happened when I was 17. I have had several encounters, but... I think this may be the best story to start with. In the summer of 2015, me and my two friends, Jake and Ryan, decided to camp out in Castle Eden Forest. We brought with us some alcohol, and we also thought it would be a good idea to take a Bluetooth speaker with us. We arrived around 8 o'clock. It was still light out, so we decided on a spot and pitched our tents. This area was off track, uphill, and quite the hike, especially since we were carrying our tents, bags, and crates of beer. Nevertheless, we made it unharmed and excited for the night ahead. The first encounter that happened, I did not see, but both my friends did. Initially, I thought they were just trying to freak me out. The area where we pitched our tents was flat, but surrounded by trees and two hills. One of them was at an incline in front of us, the other was a sheer drop behind us and to the side. We had hiked up the Safeway. While I was unzipping my tent bag, both my friends began cursing, and at first I thought they were arguing with each other. It was in a split second when I realized they were looking up at the hill and through the trees. Did you see that? Jake looked at me, and I replied by just shaking my head and going back down to unpack my tent. That was weird, Ryan shouted. What are you talking about? I asked, thinking nothing of it. Then both my friends confirmed the same thing. When I look back on this now, I can say they were spooked, but not so much to have us all running back home already. Both my friends recalled to me, seeing a big red wolf, demon. That was both their words. They agreed on what they saw. Just a side note for a little perspective for the readers. We don't have wolves in the UK. The two of them described it as best they could, seeing it from a distance. They said it was red, like a rusty color, with shiny red eyes and a gray face. They said it moved like a dog, but then it hid behind a tree and used arms and hands to peer out from behind it, they then said it crawled like a man out of their sight. The night went on as usual, with them occasionally mentioning this wolf, and I kept hoping they were just pretending, because in all honesty, it started to freak me out the darker the night grew. Sometime around midnight, Jake mentioned the battery for his speaker was low. It was shortly after that when we all heard a collection of strange noises, they were loud enough that we could hear them over the speaker. So we kind of just sat there, listening and looking at each other, 
silently trying to figure out what it was we were listening to. We heard a low hissing sound at first. It went on for at least a minute, maybe a minute and a half. Then we heard thuds in the distance followed by snapping twigs. Coincidentally, and I say that with all irony, because it sounds so cliché, but I assure you it happened, the speaker ran out of battery. I believe then my two friends went pale. I believe I also went pale listening to the sounds around us. I felt the blood rush to my face, my chest just locking up. I was so creeped out. I didn't want to breathe. I could literally hear my heartbeat. The hissing turned into a very sharp growl, like high-pitched, but it had an immense volume to it. Sorry if this is a bad description of the noise, but the best way I can describe it is that it was like the noise of an angry house cat. It had a sort of moan to it, but the growl had a bubbling sound. I know it sounds strange, but trust me, it was absolutely terrifying. To make things worse, another noise came from up the hill I mentioned before. Now, the best way to explain this noise was something big saying, rot, or rock. It was very deep. It reminded me of a gorilla. Then it just growled. It was a very low rumble. By the time this had happened, the other noise had stopped. We were absolutely petrified. We didn't know what was going on. The next thing that happened is possibly one of the scariest things I've ever experienced in my entire life. There was a sudden explosion of twigs and branches breaking, and there was 100% something running around in the trees. It was very heavy and very fast, and yet we could see nothing. Then it happened. It sounded like a dogfight. That's the best way I can explain it. Like a really violent, loud, and disturbing dogfight. It was so loud to the left of me. I jumped up to my feet and shouted at it. I had a thousand things going through my mind, and I assumed it was someone out there playing a really good prank on us. Believe me when I say that when I shouted, Stop it! As loud as I could, you'd barely be able to hear it. The commotion went on for at least a couple of minutes. It felt like a lifetime. Now, I have no idea how we mustered the courage, but we all got up and we ran for it. We left our tents, our bags, Ryan left his mobile phone, and I left my house keys. We literally rolled down the hill to get away, and we sprinted for the exit. We have spoken about this encounter many times, and each time we tell it to people, they all strangely sort of believe us. It was too much to make up, and we all encountered and remembered the same things. So, after I actually looked into what it could have been, I'm pretty convinced it was a dogman. Ryan also believes it was a werewolf, or something of the sort, but Jake seems to think it was something else, perhaps a demon. A Dark Night in North Carolina From Lapel Guy 9 This story happened around 12 years ago. I would have been around 15 back then. I grew up in a rural area of North Carolina. There wasn't really a lot to do growing up, but thankfully I had a few cousins that lived nearby, as well as my sister, so we found plenty of things to get into. It helped that we were relatively close in age as well. We lived in a pretty inconspicuous area, just a few family members or friends, and just a basic little stretch of road, which connected to a local state park. It was the kind of neighborhood where it was either someone you've known your entire life, or it was straight-up family. Anyway, this happened around the end of July, whenever we were already gearing up to go back to school. My cousins, my sister and I, decided we were going to have one last bash before we headed back to school the following month. We decided that we were going to have a quote-unquote seance in the woods. 
If you go a mile or so behind my uncle's house, who lived directly behind us, there is what is officially called a psychiatric hospital. But in the spirit of total honesty, it was an asylum for the criminally insane. The individuals which lived in that psychiatric hospital were pretty nasty cases. The kind of people that the medical and psychiatric industry were frankly too scared to deal with. So they stuck them in places like this to sort of get them out of the public. I know that living a mile from a psych ward you can literally cut through the woods to get to sounds like it would be all kinds of spooky fun. But it was never something that we cared or even talked about. I mean, it's not like we'd ever do anything to get sent there. Anyway, the patients were not treated very well there, and the staff was highly underqualified. But thankfully, we had a pretty good local sheriff's department, who kept a 24-7 eye on the place. So much so, there was armed officers on ATVs that would patrol the woods around the place, usually once a day, to make sure everything was as it should be. You have to understand that the vast majority of these patients were people who had already been in and out of the system, usually a couple of times before they arrived here. On this particular night, things just didn't really sit right. But as I stated before, we weren't skittish teenagers. This was a safe area, a place we knew well, and we were surrounded by friends, family, and law enforcement was nearby so we were virtually fearless most 99% of the time. We sucked in our guts and soldiered on. My older cousin and my sister decided that we should go farther into the woods than we had ever gone before. After all, if we were going to do this, we needed to do it right. We had all of our, we'll say, makeshift seance supplies in our backpacks. We headed out into the woods and got to the spot in which we were going to have our seance, this was an area that my uncle had taken my older cousin a few summers before on a hunting trip. As we began to set everything up, we had a radio playing, as well as some large outdoor lanterns, the kind especially made for camping. We also had food, beer, cigarettes, and anything else we could steal from my uncle and not get caught. You know, all the fixings and trimmings to set up for a long night of fun. Before we even had a chance to begin our seance, we started to hear strange things in the woods. Being relatively unafraid, we assumed it was some kind of animal. We were obviously raised in the area, so that wasn't anything new. It was usually just something small like a raccoon or possum. We ignored the sounds and they stopped. Then we went back to our fun, laughing, drinking, smoking, and fixing to start the seance. Then, out of the blue, we began to hear a faint voice calling, Hey, come here. This was not a voice from anyone in the group. So, naturally, we all assumed that someone had recorded something on their phone and they were just trying to scare us. We all just kind of shrugged it off. We were like, oh yeah, whatever. My oldest cousin continued with the seance until we heard it again. Hey, come here. At this point, even though I was a bit younger than the rest of the group, I stood up and I spoke angrily to the group. All right, then enough is enough. Whichever one of you is playing that crap on their phone, grow a pair and stick it down in front of the group. I had become kind of irritated that the seance was being ruined and interrupted. I was assuming someone was just out there messing with us and being rude. We all pulled up the home screens of our phones, letting each other investigate them. We also emptied our pockets, proving that it was none of us. The rational-minded would have assumed that one of us in the group simply cleared their phone off and set it down. But literally within five minutes, we heard the voice again. But this time it wasn't so... vanilla, if you will. This time, it was angry, and it said, Get over here, now! By then, we were all terrified. Frozen in fear, we looked at each other, and all at once, we ran. Leaving everything behind, we kept going and going, not even caring what direction we were going in. The longer we ran, the more the footsteps that were following behind us became faint. 
As the trees began to part, we saw bright flashing lights. Assuming we were approaching a road, we ran towards it, not caring if it was a wreck or a traffic stop, we just wanted a cop. As we broke the wood line, our hearts began to pound in terror, even harder than they already were. Then we saw what was in front of us. It was the psych ward. A cop stood in front of his car, then saw us and shined a light, saying, What the heck are you guys doing? Don't you know a patient escaped? And there's a girl missing. We shuddered briefly, then broke down in tears and explained to him what was happening. Clearly seasoned on the job, the officer tried to calm us down, then told one of the younger officers to take us home. After what felt like hours of heck in the woods, it was finally over. After a 10-minute car ride, we were back at my uncle's house, like nothing had ever happened. The patient who had escaped was never given a name, nor were they ever apprehended. And the girl who I sadly knew, named Paige Campbell, was found dead off the highway going out of town by a patrol officer. At around 6 the following morning, Paige had been a 17-year-old cheerleader. She and I had always got along pretty well, but we weren't incredibly close. Because an underage girl had been murdered that night, the cops tried to keep the whole situation quiet for the family's sake, because we all know how the media can get. Over time, it kind of just faded from memory, and life as it so often and cruelly does eventually moved on. Now to say that it was for sure the psych patient who killed her may be a stretch, or maybe just my own imagination, but you have to admit that between our experience in the woods and then later on the same night Paige ending up murdered, it's pretty darn strange and creepy. We oftentimes talk about that night and what could have been. It's honestly become a story we tell at almost every holiday get-together or family barbecue. Kind of our screwed up and twisted way of processing it, I guess. The vast majority of the time, I can just kind of look back at it, like a memory of ignorant teen bliss. But other times, now that I'm an adult, the reality sets in about what could have really happened in those woods and it chills me to the bone to think of what could have been. Paige's mom eventually moved out of town, after a few years of strange stares and the, oh honey, how are you? The kind that small towns are known all too well for. The reality is, I don't think that any of us will ever be the same. Something like that changes you, shapes you, even breaks you. You can believe this story if you want, or call it bullcrap. Frankly, I don't care. This isn't the kind of thing you make up. I only ask, if you're going to be messing around in the woods, be careful. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, People are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wrong Turn From Mill 89715 What I'm about to share with you is something that happened to me a few months back. It felt like a dream, but I'm still not sure if it was a dream or not. The memory of it still terrifies me, and if it really wasn't a dream, then I fear that I may have narrowly escaped death. I live in the northern area of Canada, in a remote rural town about 10 miles away from the city, where I work as a real estate agent. I've been in the business for about five months now, and I love my job. I work the usual hours for a standard week. You know, the typical Monday to Friday 9 to 5. I always take the main highway to and from work, so as to save a little money for gas each week. A few months ago, after a really busy day at the office, I was on my way home from work. I had dealt with a lot of clients that day, and I had needed to stay back an extra hour and a half. It was a rough day, and I was eager to get home. As I made my way across the highway, I caught a glimpse of flashing red and blue lights ahead. I slowed down and discovered there had been a major accident on the highway. From what I could see, a large truck had overturned and was blocking off the main road. Just great, I thought. Exactly what I needed, a long wait in a traffic jam. I was about to slump back in my seat when I remembered that a short way up and to the left was a back road that would lead all the way back to my house. I was a little hesitant at first because I'd heard that this particular road and area was prone to carjackings, crashes, muggings, and a number of other unsavory incidents. But I decided that the road was better than waiting in this god-awful traffic for another two to three hours. So, as the line of cars moved on and I neared that road, I turned my car left and drove off down the winding path. Curiously, I noticed that no one else seemed to be taking the road I'd chosen, but I just shrugged it off. I wish I would have thought better of this earlier. The back road I was on was a few miles longer than the highway and runs through an area of thick and dense forest. I was about three quarters of the way home when I heard this weird rattling sound. Feeling concerned, I pulled to the side and I stopped the car. Just as I did, there was a loud bang from the front of the car and steam began to rise from the bonnet. Great, I thought. More to worry about. I got out to survey the damage and the first thing I noticed was that it seemed unnaturally cold out. And I say this because we were currently in the middle of summer and the temperature must have easily been barely above zero but at that moment, I had more things to be concerned about. I checked over the damage to the car and noticed that not only was the radiator shot, but one of my tires had blown, which explained that loud bang when I had stopped the car. Getting a little frustrated now, I dug out my phone and I called up one of the major roadside assistance places in the city. When I finally got through, the man said it would be at least two hours for him to get to me as he had dozens of other calls from around the city. With a sigh, I agreed to wait, and I hung up. I sat on the hood of my car, playing the day over in my head. I was annoyed, to say the least. It was at this moment that the cold I had only barely noticed before seemed to register. Not only that, but the woods surrounding the road seemed eerily quiet. I shivered slightly and I was just about to get back into my car to stay warm, when I froze, having just noticed something out of the corner of my eye. I turned my head to the left to see what looked to be a pair of bright yellow eyes disappearing into the dark. I shivered a little again, remembering the stories about muggings and carjackings happening on this road, not to mention the countless wild black bears. Now I'm a pretty tough person, and normally I could brush something off like this, 
but something felt wrong. As soon as the eyes disappeared, I had turned back to staring at the road for the moment. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. Feeling nervous, I decided to take my phone out to call my sister to pick me up instead of just waiting for the tow truck to arrive. As the phone began to ring, the feeling of being watched grew stronger and I started to get a very unpleasant feeling in my gut. The phone rang a few times, then crackled out and died. Forgetting the feeling for a moment, I walked away from my car holding my phone out in the air. I figured I must have lost my reception, and I decided to see if I could get a few bars by walking in a different direction. I hadn't planned to walk far from the car, as it was now getting dark. I must have walked 30 meters from the car when I froze again. My body had gone cold. Not the sort of cold you get from a chilly winter night, but a searing wave of cold. I felt like my blood had turned to ice. I lowered my phone and I looked up. A feeling of pure terror swept across my entire body. Crouched at the edge of the woods about 50 or so meters away from where I was standing was what appeared to be a pale, oddly malformed deer with glowing yellow eyes. Immediately I knew this was the thing that had been watching me. I stared at it for a moment, transfixed in terror. It was as I looked at the thing that I realized it wasn't a deer at all. It had antlers on its head like a deer, but its face was mutilated. It looked wrong. It almost resembled a human's face crossed with a deer's skull. There were clumps of flesh missing from its entire body, which appeared to be abnormally thin. Its long arms were tipped with impossibly long and razor-sharp claws. I took several steps back. I had no idea what I was looking at, but that unpleasant gut feeling I'd felt before was now overwhelmingly strong, and even from that distance, I could smell the foul stench of rotting meat. As I backed up a few more steps, the creature slowly began to rise, and that was when I noticed it was at least eight feet tall. Unable to look away, I froze again, watching the creature in horror as its mouth opened and revealed rows of needle-sharp teeth that appeared to be covered in blood. As it opened its mouth, I'd expected it to let out a growl of some sort, but I was truly horrified when instead, it spoke. Not just with any voice, but with what sounded like the man from the tow truck service. Hey buddy, I'm almost at your location. If you stay where you are, I'll be with you in about ten minutes. The creature stopped speaking, then let out what sounded unmistakably like the laugh of a small child, mixed with the faint sound of a large guttural animal. It sounded like it was playing with me but I had the feeling it wouldn't continue to do so for long. I backed away slowly towards my car, and for every step I took, the creature responded with a step forward of its own, matching my speed and pace perfectly. I stopped as I reached my car, noticing that I'd left the door open. I gently leaned down and pulled the pistol I kept in the pocket of the door out. As I removed the gun, I noticed the creature's ears twitched, and it spoke again this time with a different voice. The voice of my sister, whom I had just called just moments ago. Hey bro, it's okay, don't be scared. I'm not gonna hurt you. Why don't you come closer? On pure instinct, I brought the gun up, firing six shots into the creature's chest. It screamed, the sound echoing all around. It sounded like something I could only make out to be between an agonized moose, a grizzly bear, and the terrified scream of a young woman. Then, the creature charged at me. I turned and ran. I had no idea where I was going. I had dropped my phone, and I was running blindly in the darkness, desperate to get away from the monstrous creature that was chasing me. I could hear it behind me, gaining on me, getting closer and closer. The foul stench of rotting meat and death filled my nostrils, and I could hear the sound of its breath and its feet behind me as it gave chase. A wave of adrenaline hit me. I put on an extra burst of speed 
As I was unable to see where I was going, I tripped over something in the dark and fell, sliding down what I could only think to be a large embankment on the edge of the forest. I tried to brace myself and stop my body from slamming into a tree. Eventually, I came to a stop and I passed out. I woke up feeling sore and bruised. Glancing around, it was that moment I noticed I was not lying in the middle of the woods, but I was back in my own bed. I blinked for a second, staring around the room. How, when, did I get back here? The last I remembered was being chased by something across the back road I'd been driving on and tripping over something, tumbling down the side of what seemed to be a large hill. I leapt out of bed, still trying to make sense of it all. When I realized I was in the same clothes I was in from when I was last awake, except my attire now was all dirty and torn. With the terrifying idea that what I had experienced last night may not have been a dream, I darted outside to see if my car, which had broken down, was in the driveway or not. Sure enough, there was my car sitting in the driveway, one tire still blown out from whatever I'd hit earlier. I checked under the hood to find that my radiator was still, in fact, blown. I was starting to feel a bit scared, because if what I was seeing in front of me was to be believed, then that means the previous night was real, and somehow I had mysteriously ended up back home, along with my broken-down car and torn, dirty clothes. After this event, to this day, I still cannot explain what had happened or how I ended up back home. But occasionally, as I'm driving along the highway after work, having now gotten my car repaired, I swear that sometimes I can see a dark shape following along the tree line, or I'll catch a glimpse of what appears to be a pair of glowing yellow eyes watching from the tree line as my car goes by. I haven't seen the creature again, but I'm sure it's still out there, watching me and waiting for me. The Eyes That Follow From Anonymous In my younger years, my family moved a lot. My father was a traveling evangelist and would go wherever the holy word was needed. I've lived in many interesting places because of this, but my mind is drawn to one place in Alabama, a large white plantation house in the middle of nowhere. Now when I say white, I mean it was white when it was younger. Now it was a grayish primer color in some places, and just bare wood where the paint chipped in others. The paint wasn't the only thing off about this house. The wood in some places had rotted, and vines had grown along seven of the twelve columns that hold the house up. It was the kind of house that moaned and groaned whenever a puff of wind blew by. Nights were often uncomfortable here, because of the constant noises causing you to believe someone was inside the house. Multiple times in the first week, I would wake up seeing my father walking around the house with a bat, claiming he had heard something. But the most unsettling thing the house had to offer was not the eerie night noises, but the giant portraits. These massive paintings lined the walls in every room. The smallest occupied the halls and bathroom, whilst the larger ones were housed by kitchens and bedrooms. Now, every large portrait was of a person, possibly the family of the previous owners of the place. These portraits were placed in such a spot that every inch of the room was visible to their vigilant eyes. Even though they were very pretty, they were quite weird, for they always gave off the feeling that they were watching me. Now, the feeling was not always present. Sometimes the feeling would follow me until I exited into the hallway and would return in another room. Being of a young age, I couldn't leave the house during the weekends and would be alone in the house more often than not. So, of course, I would jump on the chance for any form of entertainment. I discovered the echo on accident. Imagine my surprise when I threw my baseball against the wall of my room and heard a knock in response. Being a curious young lad, I knocked twice and received two knocks in response. I repeated this a few more times and always received a response. But eventually I ran out of places in my room that I hadn't knocked on. So instead, I went into the hallway. 
I knocked once and received no response. Then I tried twice. Silence. Thrice. Nothing. But then I felt something familiar. That feeling of being watched. I turned to see the kitchen and the portrait staring at me. As if under a spell, I made my way into the kitchen, and I knocked on the wall. One knock responded to me. This lasted for a few weeks, four to be exact. Then we had to move once again. I heard they destroyed the house a few years later, so they could make a supermarket. The state sold all the antiques except the large portraits. You see, they couldn't sell those because there were small slits made on the eyes of every one of them. Don't Take the Candy From Anonymous This has been, and I'm fairly sure will be, the most horrifying experience of my life. I was around five or six years old. We lived in a middle-class, slightly shady neighborhood in Alabama. Nevertheless, my parents trusted me outside by myself, as long as I stayed in front of our house where they could see me. There had been a string of kidnappings in the area, the youngest being a four-year-old, and the oldest being nine. But it was broad daylight outside, and in my and my parents' minds, nothing could have possibly happened, until it most certainly did. It was a normal Sunday afternoon, my mom was gone to pick up my 12-year-old sister Chelsea from a friend's house, and my dad was watching the football game, so I was outside by myself. There had been a baby blue, slightly beat-up old van around the scene of the kidnappings, and that's exactly what I saw cruising toward my cul-de-sac. The whole stranger danger thing had been thoroughly burned into my brain, but I was already a pretty reckless kid, and I didn't believe that it could ever happen to me. I chose to ignore the van, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw it inching towards me. It was about 15 feet away when a man in his early 40s or 50s stepped out. He had greasy black hair down to his shoulders, a goatee, and baggy pants with a black sweatshirt. He smiled at me, and I saw all of his missing teeth, the remaining ones brown and stained. When he talked, it sounded like he chain-smoked six packs of cigarettes a day, Hello, little boy, he said. Would you like some candy? He inched closer. It's right there in my van if you want to come with me to get it. He was smiling, but his eyes were full of nothing but bad intentions. I wasn't getting anything but bad vibes from this guy, so I declined the offer. But he kept going, all the while getting closer to me. Every time I said no, I could see him get more nervous and furious at the same time. So I got up, and I yelled no at him as loud as my little voice could manage. He made a grab at me, catching me by the wrist, beginning to drag me by the hand towards his van. I began to scream furiously and cry as my dad burst out the front door, seeing the man. My dad ran towards me just as the man let go of my wrist and ran to his van. He sped off but not before my dad could hit the man's van with a bat. My dad brought me inside and called the police and my mom. My mom got there before the police did and began to cry hysterically, hugging me. I was questioned by the police, but I was too much in shock to even process the questions. A few hours later, the police found the van, abandoned in a field, but the man was never caught. But... It was what was in his van that will forever haunt me. Chains, duct tape, needles, and candy. Popular candies with needle holes in them. I didn't understand this at the time, but I was almost kidnapped. I'm 18 now. None of the other kids were ever found. It still haunts me to think about what would have happened if I had taken the candy. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Cry. From Val. This story takes place in a small town in Alabama. At the time, I was around 11 or 12 years old. I lived in an apartment complex, living with my dad and stepmother. There was a small playground on the property, and I would sometimes play out there as kids do. Only, I rarely ever did because of odd, unexplainable occurrences. That day was different. I was cooped up in my room for too long, and I wanted to go out and play on the swing set. So I let my stepmother know where I was going, and I headed out to play. You see, from the very start, I had an uneasy feeling about this place. Over the years, this feeling got worse. But that day, I just had to be outside. However, this was a big mistake. I wish I'd never played on that playground. Behind it was a wooded area with an abandoned road as well as a creepy abandoned church supposedly used for storage. I hated that church, and every time I passed it, it gave me chills. My stepmother always told me to stay away from the woods every time I went out to play. But that day, my curiosity got the better of me. I was a dumb kid, but this time I still don't know why I did what I did. I was on the swing set, like a typical kid, basking in the sun. Everything was sunshine and rainbows. But then, I began to hear these cries out in the woods. They were very close to me. The birds had gone dead silent, and the wind had stopped. I kept hearing the wailing of an infant. My instincts told me to run, but something else in me beckoned me to follow the cries. As if I needed to follow them, as if I needed to see. I felt as if I had no choice. I remember getting off the swing set and standing at the entrance of the woods, and I stood there for the longest time. Then I noticed something coming towards me in the brush. Something big, and I mean huge. It snapped branches. The cries now were almost deafening. The wind picked up out of nowhere, and I felt as if it was pushing me towards this thing. I was frozen in fear then, so terrified, I couldn't even cry out, nor shed a tear. As a child, I got scared very easily, and I would run away from everything that popped out at me. I was a notorious crybaby. But this time, I was glued to the spot. So afraid that I felt nothing, my mind was completely blank, devoid of all thought. This fear was something other than the normal, typical fear, it's hard to explain. It was almost otherworldly. The next thing I knew, this towering creature was standing before me in the middle of the day. I don't know what it was, and I still don't understand what it was. Somehow, this thing felt ancient and evil, like it was angered that I was in its territory. The anger seethed out of it. It felt colder than ice. Even though the sun was out, it felt as if it was far below zero, at least for me. The clouds began to gather over the sun. This thing wouldn't stop staring me down with cold, icy blue eyes. They were so dark blue, they were nearly black. I then noticed it had something in its mouth, something mangled that smelled awful, like rotten and dead. I looked closer. It was a baby doll. 
one of those that you feed and you can change its diaper. Its voice box had been ripped out of its chest cavity, and the toy kept playing those chilling cries. I thought that was it for me. I thought I was going to end up just like that doll, mangled and dead and rotting in its maw. It was dog-like in appearance, but taller than you would believe, and I swear it had these pointed horns. It was covered in fur and wore a shredded piece of cloth. It grabbed me by my chin with its claws, which smelled of blood and dirt. I don't know what was in me, but I managed to scream. I screamed so loud, the thing let go of me and backed away. Oddly enough, that scream didn't even sound like me. At that point, my face felt like it was on fire. I could feel the ground under me again, but it seemed to melt as the dirt turned to mud where I stood. I didn't know what was happening. But I did shout at the creature again, and before I knew it, my vision had gone white, then black. When I came to, I found myself in the grass near the entrance of the playground. I don't even know how I got there. My body felt like it had gone through three marathons in a row, a month of boot camp, and was incinerated at least three times. Shakily, I stood up. I found it extremely difficult to move at all. So instead, I stopped struggling and lay back down in the grass for at least 20 minutes or so. I lost my sense of time and was confused about where I was. It didn't take me long to realize because the large crows that lived around there reminded me of where I was. Home. The park. But things were different now. After that experience, I felt as if I'd been living on the gateway to the underworld, and that thing had let me know that humans didn't belong here. Many things happened at this place, and I have too many stories to tell. This was only one about the nightmare hole I lived in for seven years. I don't know what to call this thing, but to me it looked like a werewolf-windigo hybrid, some sort of demonic being. I also remembered having bat-like wings as well, because when it backed away from me, it sort of flew up off the ground. On another occasion, I saw it fly over the roof of our complex after my parents and I got home from a movie. It was late at night. All I can say is you should never ever go to any small town in Alabama, not unless you want to live right on top of a gateway to the underworld. Living there for seven years has made me definitely question reality. I'm not as skeptical as I once was. I never gave it a name, but now I just call it the gatekeeper. I dread to even think about it. I wonder if it's still out there, watching, waiting for someone else to come alone to that playground. Werewolf in Talladega National Forest from Alpha Dragon 99. I live in Alabama, and it was a few weeks before my 18th birthday. Being the nature lover I was, my friends Aiden and Maggie invited me to go to the Talladega National Forest for an early birthday present, and of course, I said yes. My friends and I are very outdoorsy people. I met them near the park we always met at for our midday adventures. We hopped in Aiden's truck and began our drive for what seemed like forever. When we got to the campgrounds, everything was normal people chatting and laughing, having a good time. We found a camping space away from all the other people since Aiden, Maggie, and I aren't the most sociable of folks. Maggie and I made the tent up since we all had decided to sleep in the same tent, while Aiden went to look for firewood. After the day had went by, we put out the fire and nodded off to bed. The following morning, we went for some fishing, but that day, something seemed slightly off. Nature had gone awfully quiet, no frogs or anything of the sort making noise around or in the water. Now, I was a very paranoid person. Aiden knew this, and him being a jerk decided it would be fun to screw with my paranoia. He told us he'd be back, that he was going to get a few snacks. So, Maggie and I continued to fish, catching very little, just a couple of brim and catfish. Soon, Maggie got worried because Aiden had been gone for a few hours. She left me alone to go look for him, 
and my paranoia grew worse. Aiden suddenly jumped out of the bushes a few feet from me, making me shriek. I called him a jerk, and I got up to leave. Maggie caught me walking back to the campsite, asking what was wrong. I glared at her and nodded my head to where we were fishing, and she laughed. At the time, I didn't help but feel like she was in on it, so I ran back to the tent and just sat there. When they got back, the sun had already begun to set, and I was playing games on my phone. Aiden apologized for scaring me, tossing me a bag of chips. We cooked and ate what we managed to catch. Then we nodded off after another remotely normal day. The following morning is when it gets weird. We climbed out of the tent, only to find our campsite destroyed. Our packs had been shredded, our cooler knocked over with what looked like claw marks. I wondered how we could have slept through all this. Aiden suggested it was a black bear, but Maggie protested that if it were that hungry, it would have targeted the tent as well. We all tried to forget about it and began to hike into the woods for the day. There was no trail to where we were walking. And again, I noticed that day there were no sounds, nothing, not even birds. Maggie suddenly gasped and started walking away quickly. Aiden looked over and tried to shield what Maggie had seen from me. I pushed him aside and froze. It was a deer, freshly killed, gashes on its neck and stomach. Aiden pulled me away and we started to head back to the camp. I'd been silent the whole time, Aiden holding my wrist, knowing how I am when I'm in shock. I finally shuddered out. That poor deer. What the heck could have done that to it and just left it there? Maggie looked back, suggesting it was a bear. Quickly, Aiden denied that with, Bears don't just leave their meal like that. We got back to the campsite, and for the rest of the day, I sat in the tent puzzled and sick. Maggie and Aiden were arguing outside for hours about what we'd seen. They returned to the tent, looking at me while I was still in shock. Aiden suggested that we just go to sleep. I didn't sleep, though. I just sat up in my sleeping bag, listening to the sounds outside. Except, there were no sounds, not even the wind. Suddenly, a loud howl broke the silence. It shook me. I held my breath, listening. Again, a howl came, louder and more angry than before. I could hear something walking in the woods around us. Aiden touched my shoulder, and I jumped. He shushed me. He was looking at the side of the tent, and I noticed what he was looking at. A shadow that I could only describe as Professor Lupin's werewolf in Harry Potter was moving around outside. We peeked out the tent flap a little, and we saw it. A massive black wolf-like creature not far from our tent. Maggie woke up and asked aloud, Why the heck are you guys making so much noise? Quickly, Aiden grabbed her, covering her mouth, but it was too late. That thing that looked a lot like a werewolf outside was beginning to make its way to the tent. We could now hear it barreling through the woods, and we couldn't get away, so Aiden grabbed his pistol, which he had stolen from his dad. I didn't question it at the time since it was the only means of protection we had, besides my hunting knife. He stood outside the tent and fired a shot off into the air. This seemed to stun the creature as its movement slowed. Aiden yelled, trying to scare it away. Then the creature let out a deep guttural growl as I saw it stand up on two legs, towering over Aiden. This was terrifying, as Aiden himself was six foot two. He yelled at us to run to the truck. It seemed focused on him. We did as he said, but I kept looking back, watching him try to scare this creature. It wasn't long before we heard another shot and a loud, pained howl. Maggie and I only assumed Aiden had shot the creature. Then we heard something running through the forest, and we prepared for the worst. Aiden busted out from the woods, though, and he yelled to us to get in. We piled into his truck as I cried, thinking that we were going to die. Aiden's truck wouldn't start, which worried us. Maggie screamed, and we looked where she was looking. The werewolf's face was pressed against the side window, yellow eyes piercing through to our souls. Its breath fogged up the window, 
I yelled at Aiden, claiming that all he did was make it more mad. He glared at me, grumbling that now wasn't the time to be all animal lover. The werewolf banged its hands on the truck window, going around the truck, trying to find a way in. Finally, the truck started, and Aiden floored it, startling the beast. Maggie, still freaking out, watching behind us, yelled to drive faster, saying that it was now chasing us. Aiden sped up, and I turned around to get one more look at it. I was amazed that this was happening, but at the same time horrified that it was happening to me. The drive home was long and tiring. We didn't speak about it anymore until a few weeks later, when I explained to them that I wanted to share the story. Aiden encouraged me, but Maggie protested, saying that no one would believe us. So that was our encounter with the Talladega werewolf. I hope nobody has to go through what we went through, but from what I hear, I know we're not the only ones. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. My Creepy Experiences From Ultimate Saint One I've had quite a few weird occurrences happen to me throughout my life. I've moved back and forth between the states of Alabama and Iowa for basically all my life, and I got a few new experiences in both places every time I moved. When I was 11 years old, I had already lived in Alabama for about a year, and I was planning on moving to a house just down the street. I had to watch the house by myself when my parents and siblings were getting the new house ready. At the time, I remember playing something on the PS3 in my living room. The TV I was playing on was big, but not modern. It didn't have HDMI, so I was using the old, reliable AV plugs. This TV was also old enough that it made the loud, static noise if there was no input. Well, I was sitting there by myself, just gaming out, when suddenly, the static screen cut in, and it was far louder than normal. Now, as this happened, it took me a minute to notice that, within the static, I could hear words. These words said, Get out. It kept getting louder and louder until I turned off the TV, and I just waited there for my parents. I didn't spend another night there. Before that, when I was nine years old, I had just moved to Iowa, and I was living at my grandparents. Now this happened on the first night I was there. My parents and grandparents wanted to go to the bar for the night, so they had my brother, sister, and I sleep in my grandparents' bed, since we hadn't gotten anything else set up yet. After they left, I, at least, was trying to sleep, while my siblings argued, so I figured I'd find somewhere else to sleep. My grandparents' house was two stories on the side of a hill, and looking at it from the front, you can only see the top half, but looking at the back, you could see both halves. Their room was on the bottom half in the further back part of the house. Well, I walked up the stairs, and the door to the breezeway was right in front of me. Now, this door was just any normal house door. It had a plastic window that covered the top half of the door with the thinnest curtain I've ever seen covering it. Looking through that window, I saw a couch right in front of it and decided that that's where I was going to sleep for the night. I closed the door behind me and lay down to where I could see the door. Now this door led to the kitchen, and the kitchen light was always on, and the thin curtain didn't stop really any of it. About 15 minutes of just lying there with my eyes closed, I had this weird feeling to just open my eyes, and when I did, I could not move. Standing directly on my stomach was a pure black being. The thing looked exactly like if you took a model of a gray beard from Skyrim and put the blackest black in existence all over it. I could make out a hood and everything. Looking at this thing for about a minute, I noticed there wasn't any light from the kitchen that got through it. 
It wasn't transparent at all, but I didn't feel any weight where it stood. I looked at it for about 10 minutes before I just passed out. Later on after my experience in Alabama, I moved back to my grandparents about a year after that, so I was 12 years old then. This time I shared a room with my cousin that was down the hallway. I slept on the floor facing the door and my cousin slept on his bed. The door to the room had little spaces between the door frame to let in a little light from the hallway if the light out there was left on, but it wasn't too difficult to see much in the dark in that room if there were no lights on. On the night in question, I couldn't sleep very well, so I opened my eyes and, like my previous experience, I saw what looked to be a completely black figure in the middle of the room, except this time, there were two black figures. It seemed to be a little boy and a little girl. I couldn't make out too much about the boy, but I could tell the girl had on a dress and had pigtails in her hair. I would see these things every night for about three months before I asked my cousin if he saw them too. He said he did, but he just ignored it. He also told me stories of having friends come over and sleep on the downstairs living room with them, waking up at night and seeing some of my grandma's life-size dolls walking around. I never told anyone what he told me, but I was told by multiple family members that they have seen the same thing. Fast forward another year, the breezeway was cleared out and I made it into my own room. My grandparents had bought me a futon to sleep on, but I wasn't their favorite kid so they didn't get me a nice one. This thing was basically cardboard with an inch of foam padding on top, and when I laid down on it, it stopped at my knees. It was also hollow inside and only had a thin piece of cloth stapled around the bottom to keep it closed. One night I was lying down trying to get some sleep, I had my head on my right arm to sort of make a pillow out of it. After about 30 minutes of sleep, I began to feel movement under my arm where my head was. It was like there was something in the futon scratching at it. I spent 10 minutes lying like that, thinking why is this happening, before I hopped up and turned on the light. Immediately, I flipped the futon over, and all the staples were where they were supposed to be, but I tore it open and saw nothing there. With how intense the scratching had been, how long it lasted, I was sure there was something inside there. I mean, I could feel the futon move up under my arm, but there was nothing there. I moved back to Alabama for about two years after that one, but nothing really happened. And after the two years were up, I was back living at my grandparents, but they didn't live there anymore. They just rented the house to family. Over time, I would see shadows move and walking around the place, but I still had no idea what was going on. The next story happened when I was about 17. I was still living at my grandparents. I didn't mention this before, but it was in a city. I still didn't have a car, so I would walk to work and back every day. It was about a 40-minute walk. I would usually get off sometime between 10 and 11 and walk home alone. About 10 minutes into the walk, I always come across this area that has no streetlights. You just have to hope a car passes by and it's kind of a busy street so you didn't have to worry too much. On the opposite side of the sidewalk, there was a chain link fence, and on the other side the ground dropped straight into a tiny creek. I was walking home one summer night and I get to this spot. All of a sudden, for reasons I can't explain, I decided to stop walking and I looked straight up. A few stories above me, there was a dark mass with a bright blue ring of light under it. This thing was massive. I don't know how no one else saw it at the time, but it didn't make a single sound. After about 30 seconds of looking at it, it just zipped off into the night. It still made no noise as it went, and it was the fastest object I'd ever seen move. But every now and then, I do see the sky light up blue for a second at night. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. Don't worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. 
Before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners. Just share this podcast with your friends and family, follow us on Spotify, and or review us on iTunes. Thank you. Until next time, everyone, remember, this world is a strange one. So stay safe out there and stay creepy. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.